You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Who's ready for God's word this Sunday morning? If you're ready for God's word, open your Bibles to the book of Acts and chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 5 to verse 11. And can I have my timer reset, please, for the beginning of the word? Acts 12, verse 5 to verse 11. As is our custom in all House on the Rock churches, I will ask that you rise up for the reading of God's word right now. Hallelujah. Woo! Holy Spirit, help me. Here beginning after the reading of God's word, I read in your hearing. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping between, sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him And a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly! And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Anybody that has an evil expectation of you, that's expecting your downfall, that's expecting your demise, that's expecting your confusion, they will be disappointed in the mighty name of Jesus. Herod had killed John and had set his eyes upon killing Peter too. So Peter was locked up in prison, chained and placed between two soldiers. He was placed between two soldiers in the depth of the prison, such that if he looked to the right, there was a soldier. If he looked to the left, there was a soldier. There was no way out for for him. He was incarcerated and there were levels to his incarceration because he was locked behind three sets of guards. We hear about the first guard, the second guard, and the iron gate. So there was no way for him out. Even if he got free from the first set of guard, that freedom meant very little because he would have to encounter the next set of guard. Do you get me what I'm saying? And even if he was able to defeat the second set of guards, he would still have to deal with the third iron gate. This lets you know that there are levels of freedom. And my God wants you totally free. You see, when you are in the dungeon, you have very limited space. 
But when you get through the first set of guards, you have more space. And some people are satisfied with the more space they have because they were able to get through the first set of guards. But my God is not satisfied that you now have a little bit of yard to play in. He wants you totally free. Maybe you got through the second set of guards and now you actually can go down the street a little bit and up the way a little bit more. But it's still limiting. It's still confining. And you are okay with that. But my God is not okay with that. He wants you totally and absolutely free. I came to tell you that Jesus paid the price and he paid in full for your total freedom. He wants you free spirit, soul, and body. The freedom that he is offering is not a pseudo freedom. It's a true and a total freedom. He doesn't want you just free in your spirit, still bound in your soul, or free in your soul, still bound in your body. He wants you free spirit, soul, and body. That's why the book of Thessalonians, it says that he's able to present your whole complete spirit, soul, and body blameless in the day of the Lord. He has paid for your total freedom. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout yes! <laughs> and the subject of my meditation this Sunday morning is totally set free. Tell your neighbor it's time for you to be totally set free. Woo! Mighty Father, speak through me. Let yokes be destroyed, let burdens be lifted. Have your way in the midst of us, we pray today. In Jesus' mighty name I have prayed. And the people said aloud, amen. amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Most High God. Hallelujah. In the book of Psalms in chapter 8, verse 4 to 5, please follow me closely. It says, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou dost visit him? For you have made him a little bit lower than the angels, certain translations put it, but the actual translation is made him a little bit lower than Elohim. For we are the offspring of the Most High, therefore ye are gods, because you are children of the Most High. He has made us a little bit lower than Elohim, and he has crowned him with glory and with honor. But that's not my consideration this Sunday morning. My consideration is that he said, what is man that you are mindful of him? To be mindful of something is for your mind to be full of a particular thing. And when he says that God is mindful of man, it's letting you know that God's mind is full of you and of me. I don't know what you're going through right now, but God is mindful of you. He's thinking about you. Uh, he's so mindful of you that Matthew and chapter 6 lets us know that even the hairs of your head head are numbered by him. I don't have too many on up here, but when he says numbered, it's different from being counted. It's not that he knows the number of hairs on your head. It's that even every hair has a number. So when a hair drops from your head, he knows that that's number 157 and not number 7. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? My God doesn't just have the highlights or the headlines as regards you. He's interested in the details of your life. That's how full his mind is 
of you. He is thinking of you. But my question is, what is God thinking of you? In the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, it tells us what he's thinking. He says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and an end or hope. Oh yes, the thoughts that God is thinking of you, his mind is full of you, not thinking evil, but thinking peace to give you a future and a hope to bring you to the unexpected end. This means that God has a plan for your life. Help me tell your neighbor God has a plan for your life. And it's not just a good plan. It's the best plan. I might not know all the details of God's specific plan for your life, where he wants to take you to, what he wants to do in and through you. But this one thing I do know about his thoughts and his plans for your life, there is no bondage in them. There is no bondage in God's plan, in God's thoughts for your life. Bondage is not in the plan. If there's bondage in your life, it's not in God's plan for you. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Bondage is not in the plan. God created you to be free. In the book of Genesis and chapter 1 verse 28, he says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. You were created to walk in dominion, and to walk in dominion is to have freedom. So I conclude that you are created not for bondage, you are created for freedom. You are created to walk free. To walk in dominion is to walk in freedom. He who walks in dominion is walking in freedom. Oh yes, if you have been dominated in anything or in any area of your life, you are not yet walking in freedom. You don't want to miss next week Sunday as we conclude our thoughts on true and total freedom because we're going to be totally redefining freedom and bringing us to a new experience of liberty like we have never had before. How does the dictionary define freedom? Freedom is the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants to without hindrance or restraint. It is the absence of subjection to a foreign or external domination. The state of not being imprisoned or enslaved, the state of being, being, the state of being physically unrestricted and able to move easily and however you choose. If you are hindered, restrained, contained, confined, enslaved, imprisoned, restricted, limited, you are not free. I'm going to need a cup and I'm going to need a jar of water shortly, so Philip, please help me with that. Okay? Uh, you are not free if you are not able to be everything that God created you to be. You are not yet free. Oh, yes. Listen, uh, when you are not able to say no to any habit or situation or circumstance, you are not yet free. <laughs> 
So my ability to say no is actually part of the proof of my freedom. If I do not have the power to say no, I'm not free. Uh, just like if I don't have the power to say yes, I'm not free. So freedom is closely connected to the right and the power to choose. If you are denied the right to choose, you have been denied freedom. Now, the world has gotten to a stage where maybe they can't deny you the right to choose, but what the world is now doing is to limit the options. So that even though you are choosing, you are still choosing between the, what they have made available. So we find ourselves in many countries still choosing the best of two evils. Oh, who sold us that lie? Why must we always choose the best of two evils? It's time for us to step into true and total freedom. If that's what you desire, if that's what you want, come and shout, yeah. Oh, Lord Jesus. Uh, I want to get you to see some things that when you do not have a choice, it means that you do not have freedom. When you don't have a choice, it means you do not have freedom. Freedom and choice are closely related. Uh, the more choice I have, the more freedom I have. You know the statement, the beggar has no choice? The person that's begging has no choice. Whatever you give him, he has to take. Because the more choice I have, it means the more resources are available to me. Oh, God. When your resource, resources are limited, so are your choices. We often hide our lack of resource with some swagger. You know, I... I I like things, but I don't really like shopping. So I'm the type of person that I want to know what I want to get. I know what the price is. I've gotten my resources for what the price is. I go to the shop. I go to the aisle where that thing is. I pick it up. I go to the till. I pay for it. I go home. My wife is somewhat different. And I think a lot of women probably associate with her. They love going to the shop walking down the aisles, looking at various things. I think, is this what we came here for? We had a specific thing we came here to, what is all this that, said, no, 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 I'm, I'm feeding my eyes. And you know, sometimes you step into places like Selfridges and um, those kind of places. And a lot of the time I'm like, hey, babe, you know that right now, the resources to shop here is not yet apparent. For I am already blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm just trying to transfer it down to the earth. Uh, but she will sometimes say, yeah, let's go in. They don't know what you have or what you don't have unless you expose yourself. So go in with some swag. You know, look at that thing, <laughs> that dress that's 5,000 pounds. Oh, that's a very nice dress. Can I try it on? They say, yeah, sure, try, try it on. And then uh, after you've tried it on, you've taken it off, you say, I just, I don't quite like the color. I was looking for something that was a bit mustardy, and is this not quite the right color for me? But the more resources you have, the more choices you can make. 
So if your choices, your resources are limited, so are your choices. Now, if God wants you to have true and total freedom, it means, therefore, that he is determined to increase your resources. Can I prophesy to somebody that even in this time of cost of living crisis where resources are truly limited, God is going to supply for all of your needs according to his riches in glory. You are still going to have the freedom to choose. If I'm not buying the Bentley, it's not because I don't have the resources to do so. It's because I choose not to. Oh, God. You don't hear me what I'm saying. You know, some of us, we grew up in very conservative Christianity. And so, um, somebody would show us a pair of shoes and would tell us the price of the shoes. And maybe the shoes was 2,500 pounds. Say, who, who, who wears that kind of shoe? Why are they wearing that kind of When there are poor people and there are hungry people all over the face of the earth, they are wearing shoes that are 2,000. It seems like righteous indignation. But a lot of the time it's because I don't have 250 pounds, let alone 2,500 pounds. And then I've watched such people, God's mercy and grace abound in their lives ultimately, and then they get to that place where they got a few coins in the pocket. And the same person that was preaching with righteous indignation that you should not buy this type, I now see him wearing a 3,000 pair, um, pound pair of shoes. Bros, what is going on here? You said that there are too many poor people and sick people and homeless people in the world. And then he tells me that Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? Freedom is connected to choice. Now listen to me. True freedom, get this, is not only expressed in what you choose to do, but it is also expressed in what you choose not to do. In fact, sometimes the real display that I am free is not in what I do, but in what I do not do. I might have the power to subjugate you but the true proof of my strength is not that I subjugated you, but I refrain from doing so even though I could. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Jesus could have come off the cross, but he chose not to. When they said, we take your life, he said, you don't take my life. I'm the one doing what? Laying it down. True freedom is the power to choose, but the point I'm really trying to get to you is that you are created for freedom. God created the earth as a place for man to express his freedom, yet he put boundaries in the garden. When he said you can eat of all the trees of the fruit of the, all the fruit of the trees of the garden, but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. E evil. So therefore, he starts to get us to see that freedom is not the absence of boundaries but learning to how, how to function in God-given boundaries. Come next week Sunday, I'll explain that one. A man broke the God-given boundaries in the beginning and lost freedom and entered into bondage. Can you see the revelation here? So the devil showed him the lie that the way for you to be truly free is to disobey God. But by disobeying God, he entered into bondage. Therefore, true freedom was in obedience. Disobedience always leads to bondage, while freedom is in obedience. 
There is bondage in disobedience. There is freedom in obedience. So freedom that was given to Adam in the beginning was lost through his disobedience and bondage entered into the picture. The entry of sin was the entry of bondage and therefore generation after generation was sold into the bondage of sin bound by the fetters of sin. And even when the law was introduced, the law was not the deliverance from, from sin, but the exposure of the seemingly unyielding hold of sin upon man. So we were all locked up in sin. No wonder David said, in iniquity was I formed and in sin was I brought forth. I am trapped by these vices of sin. That which I would do, I do not do. That which I do not want to do, that's what I find myself doing. The best efforts of the best men could not bring them out from the shackles of sin. We were locked up in bondage. This is why God said, let us send somebody to go and deliver them. And when he could find nobody to send, he sent himself. And God immortal put on mortality. The king of heaven became the son of man. And even as he came in and landed on the scene, he declared his manifesto. He declared his assignment. He declared what he had come to do. When we read in the book of Luke on chapter 4, verse 18 to 19, it says, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim what? Liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to declare liberty true and total freedom in this house. No chains on you. You might have come in one way. You are not going back the same way that you came. You are going back into true and total freedom. If you believe it, come and shout yes. <laughs> Contrary to the report of the enemy, God is not trying to You know, the world tries to paint this picture that religion is just trying to limit you, doesn't want you to enjoy life, doesn't want you to enjoy things. That devil is a liar. Nothing further from the truth. God's intent is true freedom that you enjoy, that you have life. He wants you free. John 3, um, 8 verse 36, he says that, and, and for he who the Son has set free is free what? Indeed. Once you add the word indeed, you are adding emphasis. And what God, Christ is trying to say is that, look, I'm not selling you some form of pseudo freedom. I'm selling you true freedom. Indeed freedom. Total freedom. I want you free spirit, soul, and body, and in every arena of your life. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Do I have my cup? Do I have my water? It says that he came that you might have life, and that you might have life, what? More abundantly. John 10, 10. The fifth commandment but only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. So Jesus did not just come that you should have life. 
He came that you should have life more abundantly. So in you having life, if he just came to have life, that's having life. That's having life. That's having the water full, almost to the brim. That's having life. But Jesus didn't just come that you might have life. Jesus came that you might have life more abundantly. So now I'm filling it up. And somebody said, it's okay. It's full. But Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not enough. My intent is that you have it more abundantly. And for it to be more abundantly means that it starts to overflow. It starts to overflow. Can I prophesy an overflow in somebody's life that God is about to overflow in your life like never before. Do you know what this means? That means that whatever lines the world, the Satan and other people painted for you to be locked up in, you will not be containable. You will not be restrictable. You will not be confinable. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That means that you are about to break out of the box. Do I have any jack in the boxes in the, under the sound of my voice? Or is, maybe it's a Tinu in the box. Or maybe it's a Toby in the box. Well, I'm about to let you know you are going to break out of every box in society in the mighty name of Jesus. They put you in a box because of the color of your skin. They put you in a box because of where you hail from. They put you in a box because of the school you went, for, went to. But I came to preach to somebody this Sunday morning that I don't care what box it is. You are coming out of the box this Sunday. If you believe it, show yeah. yeah. Woo! Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. But the pathway to true freedom is delineated in the book of John chapter 8 and verse 32 where it says, and, if you shall, you, uh, uh, and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, it's interesting when you really study that scripture because that scripture is actually getting us to see and to realize that the truth does not make free. Uh, somebody said, but you just contradicted the, the scripture. No, sir. It says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So it's not the truth that makes free, it's the knowledge of the truth that makes for freedom. But as I studied the more, the Lord started to show me that it's even not just the knowledge of the truth because there's an assumption based upon the knowledge of the truth. The assumption based upon the knowledge of the truth is that you apply the truth that you know. So God says to me that as much as they say that power, that knowledge is power, no, he said, knowledge is not power. Knowledge is but potential power. The real power of knowledge is in its application. So I know the truth that if I want a six-pack and a trim body, I need to stop eating certain things and doing certain exercise. But guess what? The knowledge of that truth has not set me free. Why has it not set me free? Because I have not done what the truth tells me to do so I can know from morning till night are you hearing me what I'm saying I can know from morning till night that if I stay away from certain foods portion control my meal exercise appropriately I will have a trim and a fit body is not making me free until I actually do it you hear me what I'm saying so the first basis is to know the truth the second basis is to do the truth and a lot of people know the truth. In fact, we have churches that are full of knowledge. 
People get excited on the knowledge of the truth, and you should. But brother, sister, you better not just stay with knowing. Get to doing. Get to applying the truth that you know. This is the pathway to true freedom. It's in knowing and applying the truth. I told you a lot about this last time that I preached. I told you that if you're not express, experiencing freedom in any area of your life, it means that there is either a truth you do not know about that area, or even if you do know the truth about that area, you're not applying it. And that's why you're not experiencing freedom in that area. What is the truth? Even though the principle of the application of truth in various areas of our life is applicable, there is a truth that Christ really wants us rooted and grounded in. I'm going to provoke some thoughts here. Many things are true, but they are not the truth. Because the truth is a person. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. Many things are true, but they are not the truth because the truth is a person, and that person is Jesus. Jesus is the critical truth that we must know. But what does this mean? What is this truth? The truth of what Jesus represents is what Christ has already done, the finished work, the price already paid in full for every one of your sins and misdeeds. The truth is that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This is the truth that he wants us to know and to be rooted and grounded in. Now, when Jesus said to them, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were listening to him answered and said, we are Abraham's seed and we were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? You see, these people were in denial. And can I let you know that there are a lot of people that are in denial about the state of their bondage right now. They pretend they are not in bondage, just like this guy. These guys were in subjugation to Rome, to, to Rome. They could hardly do anything without the permission of Rome, but they continued to pretend as if they were free. They were in prison, but they denied the fact. And there are a lot of people that are in prison and pretending that they're not in prison. They've learned how to beautify their prison. They've put curtains on the windows. They've laid a rug on the floor. They've put some air freshener in the prison room, and they say, yeah, I'm free. Look, you can beautify your your prison as much as you want to beautify it, make it look cool and dandy, it's still a prison. Don't be in denial. Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not so. <laughs> you are in prison. And Jesus wants you out of prison. The scripture lets us know in the book of Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 24 to 25, uh, my time is moving fast, I can't read it all, but it says there that the lawful captive will be made free. Jesus says even the lawful captive will be delivered. This means that even the person that has been justly incarcerated will be delivered. I can understand somebody that was unjustly incarcerated being delivered, but Jesus says I'm not just interested in those people, I'm interested in even the person that was justly incarcerated, justly put in prison. 
even when your prison is the result of your own misdeeds and actions, a prison of your own making, Jesus still wants to set you free. But then somebody said, how can he set a lawful captive free and still remain just? Why? How? Because he has already paid the price and served the sentence of those that are in prison. Therefore, the lawful captive is actually no longer a lawful captive. He's an unlawful captive. Only captive for his, for, for his ignorance that Jesus has already paid the price and served the term. That's how come he's able to say, even the lawful captive will be set free because I fully paid the price. I know some of you in your self-righteousness feel that the situation I am in in my life now, it's of my own making, it's what I did, it's what I said, it's how I behaved that put me in this situation, so I've just got to serve my time. I came to tell you this Sunday morning, Jesus paid the price and he paid it in full. He's already served your term, so the devil has no right to keep you in lockdown. If you are ready to walk free this Sunday morning, Come and show ya! <laughs> I'm free, I'm free. Thank God, I'm free. Your captivity is no longer lawful. It's time for your freedom. And so I start to bring my thoughts to a close by going back to our text. Wonderful text. Peter is in prison. What a contradiction. Sometimes... Even with all these beautiful revelatory truths, we still find ourselves incarcerated like Peter was. Peter was doing the work of the Lord. He was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing the sick. And yet, instead of rewarding him for those good works, they locked him up in prison. Sometimes you are doing everything right, but you still find yourself in one prison or the other. Am I talking to anybody? Can I get any witness? I was serving, I was teaching, I was giving, I was sowing my seeds, I was helping all sorts of people, and yet I find myself in prison. And let's, let's not get it twisted. The objective of imprisoning Peter was not just to imprison Peter, the objective was to kill Peter. He only kept him in prison because of the season. He was waiting for that season to pass, then he would take him out and kill him. I want to let you know that Satan's objective in imprisoning you is not to imprison you. He wants to kill you. For the thief cometh only to steal, to kill, and what? And destroy. The ultimate objective is to totally destroy you. Satan wants you dead, but God has other plans. Somebody shout hallelujah. Peter was put in chains and placed between two soldiers. Two soldiers. Two soldiers. Pastor Zubi, Philip, please, please be my two soldiers. Be my two soldiers on either side of me. Yeah? Come, 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 come. Close to me, your soldiers. You're, you're making sure I can't escape. I got, I got my chains on me. So he was put in between two soldiers. And this was so that Peter would not be able to escape 
prison. He was in the deepest dungeon of the prison. There were three sets of guards and um, posts for him to get out. And yet he was placed between two soldiers and he was chained. Now, you see, the, the, the thing about this is that to keep Peter in prison, uh, these two soldiers also had to be in prison. They, they, they too had to be in the innermost dungeon between, behind the four sets of doors or guards. Uh, so sometimes the person imprisoning you also has to be in prison with you in order to keep you imprisoned. Uh, can I take a sidestep and teach you a little bit? That sometimes when you are trying to imprison someone else with your unforgiveness, for you to be able to successfully do that, you also have to go into prison with the person that you are trying to imprison with your offense and unforgiveness. And the funny thing about that kind of scenario is that you might wake up to find out that your prison of unforgiveness is actually only holding you. The person you thought you had in prison is actually not there. It's a dummy of your own making. Pillows under the sheets. You thought it was the person, the person had gone. Why not set yourself free from prison by refusing to imprison others? Uh, somebody shout yes. Uh, so Peter was in prison. He was shackled and um, hands in prison. There were two soldiers beside him uh, so that he could not uh, get out of prison. All right? This was the scenario. This is what he found himself in, locked up in prison and no way out. Turn to the left. Turn to the right. Somebody stopped blocking him. Turn to the left. Another person to the right. There's no way he's going to get out of prison. Oh yes, uh, Daniel was sleeping in the, Dan in, in the lion's den while the person that threw him into the lion's den was awake and didn't sleep a wink all night long because sometimes the person imprisoning you is the one losing peace, peace while you who are in prison, quote unquote, are sleeping dandy. Am I talking to anybody under the sound? of my voice. Now the scripture says that Peter was sleeping. Hey, sleeping. How do you sleep in prison? The Bible doesn't tell us too much about Peter's psyche, why he was sleeping in prison. Was it that he had given up on his fate and so he slept? Or was it that he was just tired? Or was it that he had strong faith in God that God was going to deliver him? Or was it simply that he did not know, if I perish, I perish? But the Bible tells us that he was sleeping. Can I preach to somebody this Sunday morning that sometimes you've got to learn how to sleep even when you are in prison. You've got to learn how to sleep even when all hell is breaking loose. You've got to learn how to sleep when you're not sure about whether you're going to see tomorrow. You've got to get the anointing for sleeping in prison. I don't know what prison you're facing right now, but you've got to learn how to sleep. But this sleep is not just any kind of sleep. You've got to learn how to sleep in the hinder part of the ship with all the storm raging like Jesus did because you are confident that this storm, this prison is actually illusionary. 
and it is temporary. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. I'm coming out of prison. If there's anybody that believes what I'm saying and believes that it's just a matter of time, they're coming out of prison. Come and shout, yeah! Woo. Peter was asleep in prison between two soldiers. And then the angel appeared. And the scripture says that the angel struck Peter and said, Arise! Quickly. I cannot imagine that this strike was a... Peter, wake up. Peter, wakey, wakey. Oh, good morning, Jesus. Good. I can't imagine. The scripture says the angel did what? He struck Peter. It meant that there was some pain. Can I tell somebody, what if it is possible? What if that pain you are experiencing right now is actually a wake-up call from heaven? What if he allowed the pain in order to wake you up from sleep? Because there is a time to sleep and there is a time to wake up. So you won't miss your Kairos moment. It's time to wake up. Can I tell somebody I came up with a wake, came here with a wake up call this Sunday morning to wake you up to your liberty, to wake up you up to the truth that you have already been set free in Christ Jesus. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, shout yeah. Struck him. Woke him up. <laughs> he said, arise quickly. Arise quickly. Arise quickly. Arise and shine for your light has come for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Arise quickly. He says that he should, he should, he should, he should put on his sandals. He should gird himself with the belt of truth. He should put on his shoes, the preparation of the gospel of praise. He should put on his garment of praise and he should follow the angel. <laughs> and then the scripture says, that as Peter arose, the chains fell off his hands. That can preach, that can preach, that can preach. It was as if the chains were waiting for him to arise. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The chains remained in place until he arose. But immediately he arose, the chain fell off his hands. Uh, can I preach to somebody like I feel it? That thing that you feel has been holding you back, maybe all it's waiting for is for you to arise. And when you arise, what was holding you back? What was holding you down? What was holding you backwards? It's going to let you go. You are coming out of prison even today in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout, yeah. Now, have you wondered that when all of this was happening, where were the soldiers? Didn't the scripture tell us that there were two soldiers on either side of him and there were soldiers at each of the guard posts? So where were they that this guy was able to 
Peter was able to wake up, Angel was able to appear, and he was able to get out of prison. Can I quickly talk to somebody and let you know that when your time for deliverance has come, and when God is set of bringing you out of prison, whatever he needs to do to the soldiers, whether he needs to put them to sleep or cause them to be so pressed that they have to get up and go to the bathroom, whatever he needs to do to get them out of place so that you can get out, he will do. So I prophesy once again, I don't know what great and mighty soldier has been keeping you in lockdown. Now is your time. Now is your day. You are coming out of prison. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, shout amen. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. I need to bring this thing to a close. My time is fast spent. And so we now see that the angel is taking, ah, oh, Jesus, help me, is taking Peter through these three, three levels of limitation, spirit, soul, and body. Oh, he's bringing him out of prison. Oh my Jesus. I need you to see what's going on here because each of those stops are actually symbolic of doors. I came to declare an opening of the doors in your life in the name of Jesus. And a few days ago I stumbled on something on Instagram while some preacher was talking about different types of door and I was so inspired by it. So I borrow from the preacher and I use it to speak to you prophetically. That there are different types of doors. There are some doors that require keys, for I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. There are some doors you should need to stop struggling with. What you need to do is go and find the key. And if you find the right key, you'll be able to open the door. That's one type of door. Another type of door is the one that does not have keys, but it still requires you for, for you to turn the lever. So that means you still need to apply some effort in order to be able to open that door. But there's yet another type of door. It's called the revolving door. Some of us have encountered these doors at five-star hotels where it is revolving automatically. Now, for you to use that door, you need timing. You need to know when to step in to a revolving door. When it is open, when the Kairos moment is there, then you step into the revolving door and you move with the revolving door so that you can now get into what God has promised you. But it, as much as it took timing to get in, it also takes timing to get out of a revolving door. Because if you don't step out at the right time, you might step out and find yourself back where you started. So it takes timing to deal with revolving doors. But yet, there's another type of door. And that's the type of door we're talking about in our text. It's called the automatic door. The door looks like it's closed. You can't see a handle. You can't see a keyhole. You can't see it spinning. It looks like it's not going to yield for anybody. It looks like it's locked for everybody. But, oh, Jesus said, arise and shine, for your light has come. All you need to do with an automatic door is show up. Somebody gotta show up. 
uh, you walk towards that door even though it's looking like it's closed for your God has gone ahead of you. You walk by faith and not by sight. So you walk towards that door. It doesn't look like it's going to open. But once you get into the right zone, the right zone of praise, the right zone of thanksgiving, the right zone of faith, once you step into the right zone, close enough to the door, what's going to happen to that door is going to automatically open up. It's not going to take your effort. It's not going to take your sweat. It's not going to take your intelligence. This is not a door that you are opening. This is a door that God is opening for you. Can I prophesy to somebody that God is about to open a door for you like never before? If you believe it, shout yeah! Woo! <laughs> Went through the first guard, went past the second guard, got to the third one, and the gates opened of its own accord. And while all of this was happening, Peter thought that he was dreaming. Peter thought that he was seeing a vision. He did not believe that it was real until the angel departed. And then he came to himself. He thought he was dreaming. He pinched himself and he didn't wake up. So he realized, ah, this isn't a dream. I'm not dreaming. I'm actually wide awake. God has done this. And he became as those that dream dream. Can I prophesy to you uh, that you are about to be like those uh, that dream dreams. Uh, your dream uh, is about to become a reality. Your dream uh, is about to come to pass. Uh, if you believe it, uh, shout amen. It wasn't just Peter that was dreaming. Can I tell you that even the apostles and the disciples also were dreaming, even though they were awake, praying all night for his deliverance. I don't know what was happening, but maybe there wasn't that much faith in the room where they were praying because somehow they did not really expect that Peter would be delivered. So even when Peter got to the gate and Rhoda went in to say, I heard Peter's voice at the gate. What did the disciples say? The disciples said, it can't be him. After all this prayer, you still don't believe that God is bringing that, that man out? That it can't be him. It must be a ghost. That tells you what their expectation is. Their expectation was that he was even already dead. Can you imagine that? But when the knocking continued, they went and they opened the gate and they found out that Peter was there. So even they thought that they were dreaming. Can I say once again, your dreams are about to come to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so the book of Psalms says, Hallelujah. <laughs> It says in Psalms 126 from verse 1 to 4, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said amongst the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Wherefore we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Though they that sow in tears shall leap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, 
shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I prophesy the fulfillment of this scriptural text in your life, in the name of Jesus. It's going to be like a dream. You're going to pinch yourself and you're going to realize you are not dreaming. Wake up. You are already free. It's time for your total freedom. You are coming out of prison like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus. He's going to turn your captivity. He's going to lift you on high. He's going to set you in front. If you believe it, shout amen. Totally free. He paid in full for my total freedom. I refuse to stay a day longer in prison. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. Woo! Walk free, walk free, walk free, walk free. Walk free, 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 arise, 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 arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Let's do something prophetic right now. Rise up to your feet, everybody. Rise, rise, rise. The chains are falling off. Rise, rise, rise. Walk free. Go ahead and walk, walk. Walk wherever you want to walk, symbolically, and pray as you walk. Pray as you walk. Pray, decree, and declare that you're walking out of every prison. You're walking out of every containment, every refinement, every uh, confinement. You're walking free. Feel free. Walk, walk. You are created for freedom. You are created to walk in dominion. You are created to walk in freedom. Go ahead and walk. Walk purposefully. Walk and decree and declare, I am free. I am free. I am free. No chains on me. 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 Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. No God like unto you. We bless you, Lord. I've delivered that which you gave me to deliver to your people. Now, I pray that you confirm your word with signs and wonders following. That a totally new dimension of freedom, liberty, emancipation shall be experienced by your children. In the mighty name of Jesus. No more confinement, no more restrictions. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, even in this week, you will testify of how doors opened for you in your place of work. How doors opened for you in your relationships. How doors opened for you in your negotiations. In the mighty name of Jesus. I decree and declare favor surrounds you as a shield. It secures for you continual open doors. I decree and declare you are moving beyond doors that you opened with keys. You are moving beyond doors that you opened with effort. They have their place. You are moving beyond revolving doors. I decree and declare that you are stepping into automatic doors that open of their own accord for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. And you shall testify of a lifting up even when they say that there's a casting down. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we give God the praise. And one more time, put your hands together and let God know that you are free and you are grateful. Lift up his holy name.
in this place. Woo! Somebody shout, I am free! Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on HOTR.org.uk.